0: Listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. This week we're still in our essential series. We have this week and next week, if I, if I remember correctly. And so as we're going through our essential series, like what is essential? We've talked about salvation. We've talked about baptism. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about things that we would consider core and essential. And this week we're going to talk about forgiveness. And so why would our church, why would your pastor think that forgiveness gets its own spot in a sermon series about things that are essential? Uh, Because the Lord does. Because he thinks it's essential. So why is forgiveness essential? Why is understanding forgiveness essential? Why is acting and functioning towards restoration essential as a Christ follower? You know, it takes work to do both, from both sides. Asking for forgiveness. You've got to swallow your pride. You've got to own your stuff and doing it humbly. And obviously, the bigger the issue, the harder it is. But we're called to keep short accounts. And then receiving forgiveness. Anybody ever have, had a hard time receiving forgiveness? Of yourself or from someone else. I believe it's part of the foundation of our faith. It's an essential piece to understanding God and His grace and His mercy. And it starts with that forgiveness of when God forgave us. I didn't have to learn how to sin. I was pretty good at it. I didn't know necessarily that I needed his forgiveness, but I felt that freedom, this thing called grace that came upon me when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And he said my sins were forgiven. See, God wants his children to honor him. And you can't honor God without honoring his creation, all of it. What he made but especially his creation of mankind. You know, in uh, Genesis one thirty-one, he got done with, the, with this part with man, and he said, that's Tov, that's Tov, me, that's very good. When he got done making you, he said, very good. And he wants his creation taken care of. The earth and his people taken care of. So our vision at Real Life is to create Biblical, our mission is to create biblical disciples in relational environments. And our vision is reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. And what do these people need with this Jesus? Why do you want to introduce somebody to Jesus? What has he done in your life? Well, there's this thing called forgiveness. There's this thing called grace and mercy and love, and he offers that to you freely. You just have to choose to accept it. You've got to get to the point. Where you're willing to forgive yourself, Acts ten forty three. Uh, to him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of the sins through his name. The world needs Jesus Christ because it's through his name that your sin, their sins are forgiven. Now, what's this? What's going on with sin? And when we're piling it up, and we're not understanding forgiveness, we're not seeking it out, and we're not uh, receiving it well, and we're not asking for it well, what happens to a human being? I think we find that in Ephesians four. My Bible talked about it as instructions for Christian living. Oh, well, good. Let's go to that. It says, "Get rid of all bitterness." where did bitterness come from? Where would bitterness come from? Would that come from being sinned against? Or sinning against someone else? How about rage and anger? Does, does forgiveness have play a part in that? Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. But instead be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So how do we go from bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and all of that stuff to compassion and forgiveness? As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about Personal stories in my life and looking at other stories out there. And there was a story that recently came up in the last several weeks in Spokane. And there was a, a gentleman who's in jail now, charged for murder. And as the story goes, still under investigation, but here's what that was reported was he found out that his daughter's boyfriend had sold his daughter into sex trafficking in Seattle. And he was the real-life Liam uh, Neeson. Nilsen? Neeson. Have you ever seen those movies, Taken? You shouldn't watch it. It's not very Christian. But anyway, uh, this guy goes over there and gets his daughter out of the sex trade. And he finds out the story, I'm assuming from his daughter, that her boyfriend sold her into sex trade. And so, being that you might have some bitterness, anger, and rage, fathers, with that, he finds this young man and Liam Neesons his tail and, like, uh, grabs him, stuffs him in a trunk and murders him for what he did to his daughter. Well, Pastor Gray, you know, how did you feel about that? I was kind of okay with it. I could understand his bitterness and anger and rage. If someone in here did that to one of your daughters or one of my daughters, you would say like, well, that's, he got what he deserves. How does that work in forgiveness? How come I didn't think about that young man's mom? or their family or their loss how come in my heart I was like and that's not the heart of God we don't get to exact vengeance in that manner and so I had to like repent from that and like why did I feel okay about that story forgiveness there's a book called Let It Go. I haven't read it, um, but I was watching this um, I don't know, podcast, and there was a father in the car in a car in Salt Lake City. And sitting to his right was his wife, who was pregnant. In the back right corner was his 11 uh, year old daughter, and in the middle was his nine year old son. And they just got back from, I think as the story goes, got back from Baskin Robbins, and were uh, on a family little treat evening. And they got T-boned by a drunk driver. When the husband comes to his senses, he looks over and he sees his wife. And she's got cuts and broken things all over, but she is not, she's not bleeding. Like it's not coming out of her. Checks her pulse. And she's gone. He looks into the back seat and sees his 11-year-old daughter. And she's gone. He looks into the middle of the back seat and sees his 9-year-old son. And he's gone. And he said that, uh, I don't know if he's Christian or I guess maybe with, uh, in Salt Lake maybe he's LDS or something, but he says that Spirit kind of came over him immediately and started to say, let it go. That's the name of the book. And it goes on to how these two people, this young man who was 17 years old and drunk, that killed his family and him have come to become really close friends. And they're doing talk shows and books and all these other things as people are having a hard time understanding what? Forgiveness. Last story, one second, to last story I want to tell you was uh, in South Africa, there's this Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And uh, it's kind of a court, it's a court-like body establishment in South African government that happened in 1995. And their goal was to bring about uh, truth and reconciliation. And so one of the writings on this talks about the Truth and Reconciliation Act is a profound process. That takes longer, costs more, and is messier than anyone can imagine. Now in South Africa, there are some obviously some significant race problems down there with the apartheid. After the apartheid ended, a police officer named Mr. Vanderbork was put on trial. The court found that he had come to a woman's house, shot her son at point blank range, and then burned the young man's body in a fire while he and his officers partied nearby. Woman's husband was killed by the same men, and his body was also burned. At the trial, part of this Truth and Reconciliation Act, at the trial, the widow was asked, How should justice be done for this man? She said, I want three things. Number one, I want to first be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned. So I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. My husband and my son were my only family. Seems like a pretty grantable request. Second, I want, secondly, for Mr. Vanderbilt to become my son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have. Uh, I'm not there yet in my spiritual walk. And finally, I would like Mr. Vanderbilt to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive. This was also the wish of my husband, and so I would kindly ask someone to come to my side and lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbilt in my arms and embrace him and let him know that he is truly forgiven. Could you forgive like that? See, we know we should forgive, but what stops you? Or who? Stops us. Here, carry away some more, carry around some more baggage. Let me put some more baggage of unforgiveness upon your body, and so it can slowly crush you in the ground and make you have rage and bitterness and anger and malice and slander. Because those are the characteristics of Jesus. I hope I never, ever have to forgive like those folks had to forgive. So what does it mean? We think about these fears of forgiveness. What if they don't accept the forgiveness that I'm asking for? That's not your part. Them accepting your forgiveness, is they don't have to. But if the Holy Spirit is on your heart drawing you to ask them, you, are, you, you should keep short record of accounts and ask for forgiveness. And if you do it well, and you do it with humility and compassion and really own your stuff, there's a chance that that could happen. I'll tell you a quick story on myself. Uh, 1992, I was a very responsible 17-year-old young man with great Christian values. That's sarcasm. I go to pick up my date for homecoming. Now I know at the time, I didn't know at the time, but Christian family, and the dad pulls me aside. And what would a dad say to a 17-year-old young man who's picking up his daughter for homecoming? The same thing that you and I want to say, men, This is one of my most prized, beautiful things in my life. Please honor this prized, beautiful thing in my life. Have her home on time. Treat her like she's supposed to be treated. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, uh, that's not what I did. I was that guy that none of us want our daughters to meet. Broken home, broken heart, no values. Ended, ended horribly. Like Ended really bad and never saw her again after that night. The family actually like left the town that we lived in. Move on to my life, 2007, so let's call it 15 years later. I've been a Christian for a while, working through kind of a list of like, man, I think about this idea of forgiveness. Have I ever wronged anybody? Kind of an inventory list, kind of like your step study in the book that all of you know and love, the third book that has uh, your inventory and your amends and all of these things that you do. But I was having my own personal inventory. And this really had bothered me for a long time. I wasn't a pastor at a church. I was selling insurance in Montana, but I was super involved in my church. And I understood the town that this person might have moved to. And uh, I I was thinking it was a phone book, but we actually had this, the internet. And I remember the last name of these people. And I was like, I got to try and make this right with the dad, like super heavy conviction. So I searched it up and there's like 40 of these names in there. got on the phone called the first one and I'm just looking for somebody that's related to this family which sounds like I have a good shot at it hi Mr. Smith it's not the name but Mr. Smith hi uh, I'm trying to re- reach the parents of Susie whatever well yeah this is he first one Lord Lord the first one I call is the dad that I didn't listen to. And I remember saying, hi, um, hi Mr. Smith. I hope you do not remember who I am, but not, my name is Josh Gray. Oh, I remember who you are. The reason why I'm calling you is I was an absolute jerk to you and to your daughter and your family. And I really blew it. I've since become a Christian and I'm learning to understand about asking for forgiveness. And I don't know if there's any way you can see it in your heart, but I would like to ask for your forgiveness for the way that I treated your daughter back in 1992. 15 years earlier. He's like, Josh, I really appreciate you calling me. I too am a Christian. And I forgive you. Thank you for calling me and asking me to forgive you. I said, Tell your daughter ask for my forgiveness as well, that I apologize to her as well for what I did. Fast forward, whatever, Facebook, I don't know when Facebook started, um, Facebook happens, make this connection with this, uh, with this gal who's happily married, has awesome kids, awesome husband, just doing great, loves the Lord, you could just tell by the Facebook post. And the only conversation we've had, the only message that we've had, I don't do a lot of messaging with other people, other ladies, just so you know, the only message we've had. Hey, my dad told me what you did. That meant a lot to our family. That meant a lot to him, and that means a lot to me. Thank you. So your pastor's a dirtbag. Um, is the moral of that story, or was. But see, you've got to do your part. Forgiveness of self. That is done through your acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If I never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I would have never done that. I told my unsaved friends uh, who I met with this last year, we try and meet once a year, that I had done that, and they just kind of looked at me like, and they were the guys that were part of the problem with me, and they just looked at me like, you did that? I was like, yeah, wow. Yeah, because I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. So how do you forgive yourself? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You got to choose to accept the forgiveness that God has given to you or you're going to have a tough time forgiving others. Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. You got to choose to accept forgiveness that you are not condemned for what you did because of Jesus' blood upon the cross. Luke 17, I'm going to skip down for in the interest of time. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Say, that, you've got to talk. You've got to have a conversation if you're offended. You don't just run and hide. Maybe you're in the wrong, but you don't know yet. But you've got to talk, you've got to build enough relationship to come and talk. There's nothing worse than not knowing that you you messed somebody over and, and, and you just can't figure it out. But you rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Do you know that will you please forgive me is a lot different than I'm sorry? So we have this thing called Restoration Night. It happens at 625 every Thursday night. And in Restoration Night, there are these things called step studies. And everybody should do a step study. Everyone. Your pastor just did one. And you go through here, and your favorite section is going to be, uh, no, it's not, uh, book number three. And it's going to talk about making an amends. Evaluate all your relationships. Offer forgiveness to those you, uh, who have hurt you and make amends for those that you have harmed. Well, that sounds pretty easy. What if they're dead? They'll talk about that. But you get in community, and then it talks about more on forgiveness. Lesson 17 is on forgiveness, right? And lesson 18 is on grace. It's interesting that they put grace and forgiveness right next to each other. So forgiveness of others. Matthew 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins, Forgiving doesn't mean that you forget. doesn't take, take it away. There's a lot of things that forgiveness is not, and I'm not going to cover them all here, but if you want to get plugged into a step study or you want to go to handle resolving everyday conflicts on Thursday night, you can have a bunch of tools to learn how to, how to understand forgiveness. There's a four-part sermon series that I put in the bottom of your notes by our good friend Greg Rochelle, who doesn't know we exist, called The Grudge. And apparently, he thought he needed four 35-minute sermons to talk about forgiveness, and I'm so good, I can do it in one. No, I can't. I can't do it justice, but it's a resource for you to go and invest time in. There's a website there. I didn't even know there was a, a website called like theinternationalforgiveness.com, and it just talks about some principles of forgiveness. Forgiveness was so important that, that Jesus put it in the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to skip in the, in the interest of time. You don't have this in your notes, but... Uh, Matthew 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. If you say that prayer every day, Jesus wanted you to be reminded that you are to forgive. You are to be forgiven and you are to forgive. Forgiveness is not a one-week sermon at church. It's not a checkbox. You might have heard recently that prayer is like a lifestyle. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. I would imagine that not everybody uh, is, is great in here at forgiveness. I would imagine that in here... You guys probably have some hurts. I, I, I don't want to imagine some of the things that were done to some of you in here. But you're responsible for you. And when you walk with the Lord in a, in a great way, and you start releasing this idea of rage and anger and bitterness and and malice and all of those things, something happens to you. We talk about freedom. I want to be, we're free, we live in America. Freedom, freedom, freedom this, free to do this and free to do this and free to do this, yet everybody's captive. We got to learn how to forgive as a church. I got a whole bunch of things I plan on doing that's going to offend you guys that I don't even know about. (laughs) You're going to have to forgive your pastor again. You're going to have to look at your neighbor and forgive them again. Because, see, we value relationship at our church. See, we say that we don't just go to church, that we are the church. We expect you to do life together. And what happens when you do life together? It's like me dancing, you're going to step on somebody's toes. You're going to offend somebody. There's a chance that in here you have been offended by somebody in here. Or by me. How do we model that? How are we set apart from the world and how we handle forgiveness? Because the world says what the guy did in Spokane was vengeance and justice and I still there's a part of me that's pretty happy about it. But we're not to be of the world. We're in it to show people who Jesus Christ is. Forgiveness is essential in your life as a Christian. It's worth studying. If you studied something this year and you figured out forgiveness and gotten a really great habit of forgiveness, your life would be, you'd be free. So don't just be sorry. Sorry. Be intentional about seeking forgiveness. Do your part. Because forgiveness gives the opportunity for reconciliation. And reconciliation can lead to restoration. And our Lord is about the restoration of all things. Please check out the resources this week as we think about what forgiveness is and what it looks like. Be free. Choose to be free. Choose to come and invest time in your life to, to understand, I, mean, what am, what am I? I didn't understand all the things I was, I was dragging around until I got a chance to inventory it. You want freedom? Be free. Seek forgiveness. That's why it's essential. This is a time where we're going to come to the table at our church, and this is a symbol of forgiveness. So, if you uh, are, are visiting with us, we take communion every week at our church. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we want you to join with us. There'll be uh, Forrest is over here. He's walking down. If you missed it, just raise your hand, and Forrest will get you a cup and juice up here. Forrest to the right. Thank you. Back in the middle, if somebody could get uh, these guys back here as well, we'll get to you. But as we come to the table. We come to it with humility. We come to it understanding that without Christ and his forgiveness of us and our acceptance of God's grace, we are going to be full of bitterness. We're going to be full of anger. We're going to be full of rage. We're going to be full of malice. We're going to be full of all of those things without Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance for me. Let's remember the sacrifice and the forgiveness we've received. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, You're going to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And when you proclaim his death, you have the opportunity to accept his forgiveness and the grace and mercy and love that we all need and desire and then offer it to others. Let's proclaim it. Father, I know I just uh, opened the door today. I know people have done some work in here about forgiveness as well. Lord, I know we provide opportunity I know you desire people in here to be free. and I know we can't be free when we're carrying around bitterness and anger, resentment, guilt, shame. Those are all things that the captive have. So Lord, I just ask that you would just uh, enter the hearts of every person in here. That they would feel your presence heavy on their heart right now. That the Holy Spirit would sift within us anything that's unforgiven. That we would seek it out in a respectful way. That we'd be people that would choose to live a lifestyle of asking for forgiveness and receiving forgiveness as we sin, that we would keep short accounts, that we would make things right and give freedom, receive the freedom from you and give freedom to others. So we just thank you for this time. We praise you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram.